0: self-serving, persuasive talkers of everything and nothing. We we are are Conversation conversation Con artists. What's going on? It's your boy, Point. I'm sorry to inform you today that Red will not be with us. She is sick. However, for the sake a current and very important and pressing dialogue that we've had. I would like to introduce you to one of the strongest positivity that I've ever made in my life. Introduce yourself, sir.
1: Uh, what's up, everybody? It's, uh, I think it's my third time returning to the show, but my first time um, appearing on this show as a proponent and supporter. Of meat positivity 2019, and I want to go ahead and add also that we might have to take this into 2020, specifically for Red, because we know that Red is 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 definitely well, I don't want to say definitely not in support of meat positivity, but it's been it's been a little bit of a challenge. She hasn't hasn't gotten on board with a lot of the, the um, the different puns of meat positivity that I've been sending into the to the show, in, in an attempt to make sure that Red can also buy in, to the motto. Which Mr. On Point has so eloquently said every single episode, going back as many as I can think, is that meat positivity is not about the meat. It's about me.
0: Beautiful, sir. I'd just like to ask you, what has your meat positivity journey been like? You know, be it in your life or be it since you were introduced to the idea of meat over me over meat.
1: So it's, it's, it's difficult because when you, it's, the, the journey has been long, it's been arduous, it's been difficult. Um, it started, of course, I think like it does for any of us young men out there in your teen years when everybody starts to go through all those funny changes. You know, puberty starts to hit, you start to notice women if that's what you're into, you start to notice men if you're into that, and there's no judgment here. But what ends up happening is there becomes a focus on the meat and only on the meat. Everybody wants to, to talk about size differences and talking about this and that and everything else. And, and I think that what the journey, how it goes is that you, you as you get older, you tend to move away from just the physical aspect of the meat. And you start to think more about the intellectual aspect of the meat. Um, I think one way that this has come into play is also uh, been called Big Dick Energy. So I think the key there is the energy itself, not necessarily just working with a monster, as we used to call it back in the day. So yeah. there's a lot of you know people out there that think that all you got to do is just have a big meat and you're good to go, and you don't have to do anything else. We think you talked about this on one of the one of the episodes before. There's a lot of dudes out there that just think that they can use the big meat as a crutch, don't have to do anything else, they don't have to try to try to 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 use any other type of way, uh, whether it's they're they're using their swag or their energy. Or their, their words or anything to try to get a lady to like them beyond what they just think they can just stand alone on their meat. And um, I think that that's, that's what the journey um, has been like. Not necessarily for me. I think I, at a young age, I was a, a philosopher of, of meat positivity, which is understanding, yeah. you know, one of the things that people like to say is that it's, the, it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. So I think I said before, also, though, I'm not uh, unhappy with the, the size of my boat by any stretch of the imagination. Sorry, Red. <laughs> but uh, but you got to you know, you can't just be you can't just have a broadsword and just swing it without knowing how to swing it. That's that's the that's the best way to put it, um, I think. Exactly. Um, so, yes, yeah. that's our, that's that's my my uh, personal look into my meat positivity journey and my, and my some of my thoughts that I think are probably worth a Ph.D. dissertation. on on meat positivity.
0: Hey, that was extremely beautiful. And you bring up a very important component of meat positivity. How we've transitioned from the physical aspect of just knowing what our meat is and existing and the size, but also the intellectual and psychological component. And you speak on something very important when you say big dick energy, because there is an automatic connection without saying that the big dick brings an uh, a desired energy rather than anything else, so how must that feel about someone who doesn't acknowledge or understand that their meat is enough of an acceptable size and until you actually recognize that there is important in how you swing that broadsword, will you get an understanding of not having the big dick but having the energy? that someone would allocate to a big dick because you know what, can't nobody see what you got in your pants, but they can see the energy that you bring to it.
1: That's right, that's right.
0: If you walk around with the lack of confidence that not having the size meat that society has said that you should have, then you're never going to walk with that confidence regardless of whether the person People in your environment know you have that, or don't know you have it. You got to start with the energy. That's why this is a very important conversation. And I'll tell you that my struggle with big dick energy was the idea—not just big dick energy, but just meat positivity in general—was an early introduction to porn. And I, unless you raised in a very, uh, uh um, what is uh, uh sheltered home that's deeply mm-hmm. religious and mm-hmm. protects mm-hmm. you and blocks you from seeing things you're going to come across a kid that show you some or you're going to have some kind of pop-up go to the wrong website you're going to see it and that's kind of what defined for me what i supposed to look like because i had never seen anymore you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. you don't see them so that it took me a long time to overcome what was supposed to be like, but more so when I got to the point where I was sexually active, I realized that what I have is very effective, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, in, in different instances. Isn't that by no means what I've ever seen on a flick? Except for maybe them old hood flicks that you see, you know, <laughs> that you'd be like, man, they got Newports on the dresser. <laughs> you know what I'm Do saying?
1: We're in the fit with Tim's on and yeah, stuff like know, that. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Like, I could be that guy. <laughs> but when you're looking at Mandingos and all that, like, what? what is so I just really, I really thank you for on, helping us understand your journey with meat positivity and, and, it's really good that we're building on to the advocacy of me over meat, because remember, right. it is not about meat, it's about me. Remember that everybody?
1: Yep so La- last point, go for it. and this this comes from talking to to several different ladies also, um, anybody who's out there running around talking about their meat. Or their meat game likely has trash meat, so that's the that's that's the energy that that, that comes with the big dick energy is, is is it's an energy that you put out without having to pull it out or show it or talk about it. And you know, and I'm, I'm gonna
0: add something to that. If their meat is okay after they've talked about how good their meat is, they are literally a dumpster fire. <laughs> like <laughs> they are literally going to be the worst thing that has ever happened to your life, yeah they on a list of people you never forget, but for reasons you don't want to remember them, yeah that's how it goes, so I appreciate that word from from uh um, from Colin on me positivity um Colin is going to stay with us for the duration of this episode, and I really appreciate you for coming and joining my good sir.
1: Yep, no problem.
0: Um, We're going to go through the listener letters that are not yours. And it's okay, Red. We're going to go back through these questions when you're on so that you can respond to them. They ain't heavy. Uh, We got a letter from Tag. Appreciate you for sending us something, Tag. Uh, It is titled Maggot (laughs) instead of MAGA, M A G G O T. Uh, The letter is, yo. I'm blaming y'all for the rabbit hole that I went down after hearing about this MAGA challenge. The following video is a result. And it a compilation of a whole bunch of rappers in quotations on uh, rapping the MAGA challenge. And I was talking with, with some friends about this MAGA challenge. And I really I really didn't know if uh if this was an effective strategy for President Trump. But I thought that he may be using this to try and pull in the crowd that will get him like a new silk and diamond. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. But I think that there's so many like black kids and white kids rapping. I'm not sure how it's going to translate over into black support for him. Like, I really don't know how all of these white Black kids rapping are going to transition over to support for Donald Trump. So if he chooses a white person that was rapping, then it's going to sound, it's gonna seem real bad. If he chooses a white person to come to the, because he's trying to get black support. So for the MAGA challenge, why would he choose somebody that's white that rapped to get to that White House? If he chooses somebody black, man, I, it's just, I don't know, it's just gonna be really awkward for him to choose a winner in that situation.
1: I think one Might of the give thing- him
0: a position in the cabinet.
1: Hell. Yeah, he might. So that's he might. Um it's I think it's a lose lose. Um, obviously if he chooses a white person, like you said, it's just gonna look like something that Donald Trump would do and it's not gonna be something that's gonna help him try to get the black vote. Similarly, if he chooses a black person, it ain't gonna help you get the bro the vote either, bro, because we're gonna be looking at that person that won yeah. like, yo, what are you doing? Why are you trying to win this challenge? You know what I mean? Like what exactly. like you you wanna you want them, you a Ben Carson, you know, Ben Carson motherfucker, yeah. Like we don't we we don't we don't play with y'all. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's I mean it's it is a rabbit hole though, tag man. It it
0: listen. <laughs> it's it a, definitely is. And these people, you know, so a couple of them were rapping about socialism and stuff. I let me just throw out there that until a it talks about the government seizing means of production we are nowhere close to socialism we're just not because even though socialism is considered when the the production and the means and everything connected is owned by the community the government still has to seize it from the private sector we're not having that conversation so to me that just makes the talk about socialism just Republican propaganda, fear mongering propaganda yeah. to make the the doesn't research and doesn't know what socialism is and is never going to get on the Google and say it's socialism for real. It's just going to scare them into being, you know, polarizing more to the to the right. What is the, what is the propaganda of the left? The, that's, a the good,
1: that's a good question.
0: What is the propaganda of the left in terms of if the right has Oh, it's socialism? What I mean, the left don't really have like massive propaganda messages it don't seem I mean, I mean if you look if you look at all our candidates right now, none of them have a universal thing that they say that can be traced back to the Democrats say this because they all got such diverse platforms but if if it was ten Republicans on there, they would all be saying socialism, 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 yeah, you yeah know? I don't
1: know I mean, I guess you know there are things that are that the that the right. Seems to create as like boogeyman arguments or like straw man argument, which is they kind of are trying. They wanna they wanna pick the propaganda for the left. They wanna say, oh, it's healthcare, you know, or it's you know, they'll I don't take know. your guns away. Yeah, th- yeah, or yeah. You know, I'm being sarcastic, but like, ah, right, equality. Who the hell wants that? You know, because I, I mean, that's yeah. really like when it comes down to it. I mean, the things that they're talking about, you know, they always they they try to point to the healthcare and or they and what they do is rather than it's like how they call out socialism all the time is it seems like they take something that that probably has more of a positive impact, and they then try to boil it down to the the worst possible scenario
0: yeah. and then
1: and then use that as the 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 hundred percent way that it's exactly going to be implemented if it goes down, so you know, oh, you know, well. Basically, they when they say socialism or socialized healthcare is going to be terrible for America because your taxes are going to go up. It's, it's it's as if they're assuming that every single person that needs to go get public assistance for healthcare is literally going in for brain surgery, like every single person. Yeah. And that it's going and that we have to end up footing the bill for the cost for 300 million people to get brain surgery in the United States. I mean, it's just kind of like a, you know, and then they just do the same thing always, which is you, you know they know, just you know the as, uh, immigration is the other one. So because they know that a lot of people in their base are afraid of the brown people. Yeah. You know, you know, it's just a it's just kind of sad. But so
0: when it comes to like Republicans saying, well, they're going to take all your guns away. The opposite of that, I guess, would be that, you know, you're going to be murdered in your school by a school shooter or you're going to be shot randomly somewhere. But they don't do that. They say, hey, there's just better ways to figure this out. And we might take away your AR-15, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that's kind of their message. Or when they say, you know, um, every every life is, you know, every life is murder. Anybody that aborts, anybody that's murder of abortion. And the Democrats are not saying um, every single, uh, they're not saying that. They're saying that, you know, look, women should have a choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, women should have a choice. But I yeah. think in a lot of these instances, like what you said, with equality, there is literally no message on the other side of equality that you can say that sounds good. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so the only thing you can do is say, oh, liberal snowflakes just won't, they just don't want you to have plastic straws. They want you to have, they want the straws to be met. So they like go into what the, like you just said, what the extreme version of what Democrats want versus having an actual position on the opposite of what that thing is, because it just, okay no we should have plastic straws even though they end up in the water and the landfills are over flooded with them and they're really not environmentally conscious but we should have anyway because freedom (laughs) you know what i'm saying like
1: yeah yeah or they you know they flip they flip it around one way too is like with like it was really big with the gay marriage uh debate um uh, for the LGBTQ community. And it, it was the same same arguments that they used for slavery and against a lot of the things for for black folks coming up through the civil rights era, too, which was, you know, well, it's a sin against God. You know, gay marriage and everything else, gay sex, it's a sin against God. When And then we, when it turns out to where you say, well, well, how, I mean, what if they don't believe in the same thing you believe in or... How is it, you know, affecting you if it's somebody else is, is doing what they're doing and, and it's it's you know it's it's okay and it's fine. I mean, it, then it becomes well, if you make us accept that gay people can get married, now you're you're marginalizing my rights as a Christian. You know what I mean? What are you going yeah. Next thing you know, yeah. you're gonna force my church to have to marry gay people. Nobody's saying that. Your church can continue to be as bigoted and as racist and as anti-gay or whatever you want it to be. It's totally fine. Yeah. That's your church. Nobody's saying that, we're just saying that, you know, you shouldn't otherwise just be denied the same equal rights, you know, which really boils down to is being able to, you know, is taxation, um, making sure there's like going a little bit heavy legal conversation but like estate planning you know making sure that your next of kin whoever's named as beneficiary or somebody who can make medical decisions on your behalf if you're incapacitated can actually be your spouse a lot of those people their same sex partner for over 40 50 years right where you know up until that point they wouldn't have any rights they could have been with that person their family could have could have sworn them off in the 1950s because they were gay or lesbian and then that person could be on their deathbed and they know that their wishes were they don't want they want to pull the plug they don't want to you know they don't want to be on life support for no reason and they, and they express this to their partner and their bigoted family could come in at the last minute and mess mess up the process because technically their their partner their same-sex partner couldn't be the next kin. so that those are the kind of things that kind of that people didn't seem to didn't understand because they got mired up in that religious conversation. And then somehow other people minding their business is offensive to you or is making you not able to pray as hard for your Jesus as you want to. I don't understand that, but
0: Yeah. yeah. And you know the at the end of the Pledge of Allegiance it says with liberty and justice for all. And you know, liberty I except, not mind you, except, that's been, except blacks, gays. Exactly.
1: Like, Latinos, <laughs> trans. Don't get me wrong.
0: <laughs> <Let> me <laughs> that's been bullshit over the course of time. You know, but liberty is the sacrifice of the group for the individual. And justice is the sacrifice of the individual for the group. Mm-hmm. And what we have to seem to have is uh, a group that wants liberty, that has been polarized to one side and one that wants justice. So you... It don't take no rocket scientist to figure out who the fuck going to be advocating for the side that says justice Mm -hmm. at the cost of the individual, you know, because that's just what it is. And don't get me wrong. That don't mean that everybody who is seeking justice is doing it for just and genuine purposes. You know, I hate the argument about, I guess, Democrats are supposed to be less racist (laughs) somehow white ones, you know, than Republican Mm -hmm. ones. I mean, they've, they've been problematic all over time, and, and and that's just a story about white America having a lot of work to do to even know how to be good allies if you're attempting to be a good ally. Right. You know, and Democrats got a lot of fucking work to do for that shit, but... Yep, yep. Clearly we can go down this uh, ideological Thank dialogue you. Thank sometime. you, Tag.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, Tag. You, you took us took us uh, unintentionally. Uh, next one we got is from Cole Jackson. Um... I'm going to have to explain something at the end of this one that uh, that we know as a group that the rest of everybody listening is going to have to. I guess I'm going to have to plug some information into the podcast so y'all know what's going on. Anyway, I got to find out if that's cool. My homeboy, I'll tell you why. What's up, con artist? I listened to your last episode and wanted to talk about the woman who beat in the- her child at school. I don't know if you watched the aftermath of the situation, but the woman got on Facebook live and justified her actions by saying she is raising a young black man. And if she has to beat him now to save him later, that's what she will do. Also going further to say that the problems in this world happen because some of you don't beat your kids ass. I wanted to ask you too why some single black. The need to hide behind the shield of saying they have to beat into great black boys to make them a functioning citizen in society. And also, could you go into the long term effects that could happen to this kid later on in life? As always, enjoy the show. And I can't wait till you drop your E plate in 20 20- Strong Point. Meet positivity forever. So, amongst our group, <laughs> I <laughs> sent a recording that I did with one of my friends. It was a song, he was a rapper and he sang his own hooks. And he was like, I need somebody that just at least sang at a percent rate to sing the hooks on. So, I did, and I shared it with the group. And the subsequent conversation was about my EP Meat Plate and my uh, track. Oh, I should have had the track listing up from that Cole Jackson put together. Hold on. I'm going to scroll up to it real quick. I'm going to go track listing. But because of that, I'm going to holler at my homeboy and see if he's okay with me plugging in that uh, that song into the podcast, at least the hook that I sing, so that y'all can know what he's talking about. But the album that they came up with was uh, Meat Plate. And I'm going, I'm scrolling up real quick. Just give me one second. I went right to this the other day. Oh, oh. and then I want a trip. I'll plug that in later with the video, everybody. I still think of you. Out of Do time you think stop. of me? I'm thinking of us what we used to be. Girl, I still belong to you. Do you still belong to? Girl, I still belong to you. Do you still belong to Or does your new Anyway, uh, did you happen to see that video, Colin?
1: No, um, I didn't. And I I can't remember if it was a discussion that we had on the podcast or if it was an offline discussion about disciplining children. And it might have been me writing in with email and a a conversation that you had with Red in in one of the... um, in one of the the, the previous episodes on the, yeah. on the same topic which is and i think i think you're on the same sheet of, sheet of music that i'm on with it which is that and i think you actually got your ass well a whole lot more than i did as a child growing up but because well, i think that was part one. of the that was i think that was part of the conversation right which but it also was do we even know that it works which you know it does it is she actually going to save anything or is or is he's going to be a 30 something year old man one day and the only good that comes of it if if you even think it's good anymore is it makes for a good story over a couple of drinks with your buddies about how you used to get your ass whooped. like there was any, like i i can't think of anybody that i know of who got a whole bunch of whoopings who turned out to be Barack Obama you know what i'm saying and like yeah. you know and i you know consequently like i'm sure there are plenty of people who didn't who, I'm, I'm sure there's some people who did get weapons who turned out fine. I'm sure there's people who didn't get weapons who turned out fine, just as well as I'm sure there's a bunch of people who either did or did not get weapons and turned out as terrible people. You can be as you know single black mother or otherwise whooping your son's ass, talking about you're gonna save him later, and he can still be a dope boy on the corner and get arrested and go to prison, or you know end up gang banging and go to prison. Or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Or end up, you know, because of however trauma is, we don't understand trauma in children, right? Not, not as much as we understand it in some adults like PTSD and stuff. And you speak on this a lot better than I can because of your line of work. But, oh, yeah. you know, you, you, you end up perpetuating the cycle. So now, you know, because you were whooping your son's ass when he was little because you're trying to save him from later. Now he grows up and now he's beating his wife or he's not just spanking his kids. He's beating his kids. You know what I mean? Becoming an abusive father, abusive husband, abusive partner. So,
0: um,
1: you know, I, you know, I don't know. I've seen it both ways. My brother, he's got two little boys. They got two nephews. the The little one does he need some ass whoopings? I mean, from the from the old traditional sense, it's that's what you think would fix him. But for the most, but my brother doesn't believe in it. You know, he just said he didn't want to. He didn't want to use spanking for his kids. And for the most part, just talking to him is working just fine. I mean, they're, you know, relatively, like I said, relatively well behaved. The oldest nephew is he's, you know, perfect child. If I could just clone him and hey, if I wanted to have a son, it would be good to go. But the little one, sometimes I just want to fight him. I'm just like, yo, <laughs> I wish he was a grown man. So we could just put some boxing gloves on and fight. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm so like, tired of it. But, you know, but you gotta understand like he's six, right? So like yeah. six years old, he don't know, he don't know what he's doing most of the time. So, but, um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen the video, but I don't, I feel like I don't need to see it necessarily to know know what the subject matter is. I mean, it's, it's the same topic that comes up over and over again. Yeah. Um, So.
0: And, uh, I know it's wrong. It's definitely wrong to beat up a kid. Don't beat up a kid. But I wonder how people would look at you if they came out and saw your punching bag and it had a kid's face glued on it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I mean, I want that to be like. I don't know if this is a good idea, if I just need (laughs) to get away from this guy. (laughs) Because he's beating up a punching bag of a kid. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's a lot of variables. So you got to understand, in order to do a research measure on whoopings, (laughs) you have to know how many licks a child gets, the weight of the belt that they're getting licked with whether their parents make them keep their clothes on, take them off, the amount of force that a parent is applying to each one, uh, how angry that parent is, that makes the difference between their whoopings. Is there a measure to whoop a child the same way consistently? So there's literally no way to determine if a whooping is more or less effective for any kid and do a longitudinal study to follow that. Is it, There's no way to know how that with consistent results what research has shown that spankings up to age I think six it may be eight but up to age six only teaches a child to be aggressive because a Mm -hmm. big part of spanking is messaging and if you're just whooping a kid for what they're do they're doing but not communicating to them what they've done wrong and how more positive all they learn is that it's okay things when things don't go your way because that's how children will adopt that messaging if you don't go the dialogue now as for why some single black mothers feel the need to hide behind the shield of saying that a lot of that responsibility lies on men to be honest and a lot of it is on women mm-hmm. But I, and I know what I was told and I know what I was communicated and I know what my mama was told what my mama told was told with a, a boy that was 270 pounds in high school and a boy that was 300 pounds, six, nine, was that you got to whoop them boys. In order to whip them boys into the shape, you got to whoop them. They ain't got no father. You got to be tough on them. You got to do this. You got to be hard on them. You can't let them cry. Men were telling her this. Men were telling her, You can't, you're a woman. You can't teach a boy to be a man. You gotta be hard on them boys in order for them Mm -hmm. to to be able to succeed. And the women who have told her that and the women who have adopted that way of thinking has come from men communicating that message to women. That's where they come from. Like a lot, a big part of misogyny and toxic masculinity is because women have adopted men's own critiques and assessments of themselves. So when a man say, I gotta be the strongest, and if i'm the strongest women gonna love me it's a certain group of women that look up and say he's strong i love him you know and they adopt yeah. that message that men have because toxic masculinity like i said ain't about how women assess men it's about how men assess men and if you really want to get deep into where that concept comes from look at the mythopoetic men's movement That shit is where toxic masculinity originated, with men, because it was a group of men who felt like they were being forced to live by irrational standards by a certain group of men, and they wanted a name for what that meant, and that came from men, so when a man wear a pink shirt, it ain't because a woman gonna say something to him, hell, a woman might be like, damn, that nigga look good in that shirt, but a man say that nigga got on a pink shirt he gay you know we are concerned with how men respond to us with toxic masculinity and women just adopt that way of thinking so she probably just got a really misunderstood version of what she thinks she's supposed to do with her boys by what she believes she gonna achieve with him in the future and ain't no like Colin said, ain't no measure to determine that any particular way is going to turn out the way you want it Some slaves got whipped in their back and went and picked cotton, and some slaves got whipped in the back and burnt that bitch down. You know, it's really no measure to say this works or this doesn't work. As a professional, what I'll say is there is a small fraction of kids that whoopings work for. Uh, It's not most of them. The kids that are are quiet, if you whoop them the same way you whoop every other kid, if you give all these different kids the same whoopings, this is what what happens. The quiet, reserved kids become more, more quiet and reserved. The withdrawn kid becomes more withdrawn. The angry kid becomes more angry at you. The rebellious kid rebels immediately. That's the kid that's going to catch that belt. You know, the happy kid don't really be impacted by it. He's going to be happy anyway, but it can impact how happy he can be in the future. It's one type of kid, that type of kid that really wants to please their parent and don't like disappoint. That's the only kid that I've seen a whooping work for consistently. But that kid don't even need a fucking whooping. All they need to know is that you've disappointed them, or they've disappointed mm-hmm. you, and that'll get them in line, because that was me. I If my mama looked at me with them eyes, I'd be like, damn, I fucked up. What can yep. I do yep. to get back in mama's good graces? And that's all I needed. But you know what? She whooped the shit out of me because she's supposed to spare the rod or spoil the child. And she decided not to spoil the child, because that rod was used. Um. And and I think that's the, that's what happened. So the long term effects that I've seen as far as counseling goes, is I had a there I, I had a client at deep trauma because he stayed in he's in New Orleans during, uh during the the weather. He said he had just got a new car. And he was not going to leave his car, and he woke and he slept on the floor and it was water in his bedroom. And so he somehow survived that. And he said he thought he had died and went to hell in that moment. Because uh, from there, everything was crazy. When the water finally subsided, he said that it was martial law. It was black. No electronic devices that even survived was working because no towers were working. The only thing that you could see when you were walking was the military tank tanks and whatever military vehicle had lights flashing over the place. It was dead bodies everywhere. He walked to the stadium and and he said the stadium was probably like a a two day walk for him. He walked to the stadium, but all he saw dead bodies, he seen people get shot due to martial law from people looting. And he said when he got to the stadium, there was a um, there was a, a, a popular news story of a woman who jumped off of the top rung of the stadium and committed suicide with her kids. He saw that happen as he was walking to the stadium. He said he thought he was in hell in that moment. When we went to his childhood, he said that the way that his mama disciplined him was anytime he'd get in trouble, she would make him strip naked, tie him up to a tree, and whip him across his back. And that's how he got in trouble most of the time. That's how his discipline was. He said that he carried the anger for his mama into every relationship he'd have never had and he don't even know how he going to recover from it. He said he's taking that out on the women that he's dating because the only thing when she start or the woman start raising her voice or start being uh, oppositional to him, all he sees is his mama and he take that anger out on them. He ain't he said he ain't been abusive to no woman, but that he just can't get that image out of his head. So if you don't have proper messaging, and if you beat a person and, and it's and that person don't believe it's fair or it don't change the, like if whoopings worked, you could just whooping, you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to whoop a motherfucker for the first seven years of their life. And you won't have to whoop them no more because they would learn everything they need to learn. Whooping yeah. is supposed yep. to be used as a jolt into recognizing that uh you've disappointed me, this is not good, don't do that again. It just will joke jolt you into it. But see, black people use whoopings the same way slaves use whoopings. It's supposed to be a pain-based aversion to whatever it is that you don't listen to me about. That's what it, that's what it's used for now. And the story is that it came from slavery because we ain't that many generations removed from slavery. And during slavery, the slaves kids used to... The slaves used to allow the parents or the grandparents to whoop the kids. But you had to whoop the kids in a slave master-approved manner because I whoop them that motherfucker ain't gonna walk for two days. So the theory is that the black elders whooped the kids really, really hard in order to appease the slave master, and it just became a part of the psyche of what we were supposed to do in order to get appropriate behavior out of children. So we whoop our kids because we want that pain to be remembered, so that you don't do the shit you did that made me mad. But that ain't what. That ain't how we supposed to be using corporal punishment. That's why the black fat community. It's so deeply steeped in DHR and having their children removed and after a year, if you don't get your shit together, they gonna TPR you, which means they're going to terminate your parental rights. After one year, you got one year to get your shit together. You got one year to do parenting classes, to do counseling, to do substance abuse um, treatment. If you've been smoking weed or even just drinking alcohol, they put you in the system. If you don't stop doing all that shit and get it again in a year, your kids will never be back in your custody. So I'm sorry to get on a whole rant about that shit, but like motherfuckers who whoop their kids with relentlessly is a problem. And one thing in this video that she was doing um that is different than what this says is that she was she was in front of this white teacher, these white teachers, she was saying Nigga, you gone. You ain't never gonna come back out your room. Everything you do gone. No outside, no games, no nothing, nigga. She just kept saying that. And she was like, I'm gonna break your face, nigga, the next time you do this. And she said, this teacher don't gotta come to this motherfucking school. She do this to to watch these badass kids. She just do this because, you know, she want to. And she just, just her way, her messaging is gonna be what fuck her kid up. More so than that whooping, you know? The psychological warfare and turmoil that she put her kid through is going to be more impactful than that whooping, mm-hmm. you know. So that's that's my spiel on it. Sorry for that long ass, heavy handed ass rant. But I don't play about parents, man. I had a parent who she whooped her kid when her kid did real bad. She made him get in the shower and then she just to get wet and then she whooped him wet, naked, you know. And that intensifies them lashes, boy. That Them pictures of that, boy, I was like, you don't need no goddamn kids. Fuck wrong with you? But yeah. you know what the fucked up part about it is? The same shit happened to her. And nobody intervened and saved her. Nobody came to her rescue when her mama was whooping her ass and whooping them lashes on her after she got out of the shower. And that's why I empathize with those parents to a degree. But at a certain point, just like my thing with R. Kelly, at a certain point, the weight of the damage that you do becomes too heavy for me to be concerned about your shit as much as I'm concerned about the person that you you know? And that was my point with R. Kelly. I mean, maybe you got fucked by your 15-year-old sister when you were nine, and yeah, that's fucked up, and maybe that created who you are. But the weight of the damage that you're doing to other girls around you makes me not really give a fuck about how you got what you got because I got more pressing matters to deal with, which is the people that you abusing right now. So it's the same way with, with whoopings and whatnot. So um, just be careful with how you plan on disciplining your children, man. Pro-punish, if you want to use it, if you feel like that's what you got to do, then do it, but use that shit as a tool amongst many tools that you use to deal with your children's behavior. And ideally, a last resort one at that Um, but that being said you got anything else about that
1: Colin No, no I mean I think you know the the one thing that I would tell folks um, and it's from personal experience not with weapons necessarily but being in basic training in the army and you know you got drill sergeants yelling at you and all this other kind of stuff and every one time a drill sergeant was yelling at me or drill instructors at at the military academy uh, for college and he was like, what's it going to take to motivate you? I've been in your face, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I just told him, I'll tell you what's not motivating is the way that you'd be hollering at me. And so it's understanding that that that, that you you uh, ran down a list before talking about kids who are withdrawn and a happy kid. Like, everybody is different. And, you know, there might be that one rare instance of just that one badass kid. with. And when you give him a weapon, he straightens up. And that's, that's what they need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people... It's like being on a football team. Football team, you mess up, fumble the ball. Some of them need to run sprints in, in order to, you know, some people get punished with sprints and, that, and then he's never going to fumble the football again. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of, people are different. You know, I mean, we have, you know, everything's this damn spectrum, man. Like, we got the autism spectrum, the spectrum of human sexuality. I mean, and then just the regular standard human condition is a damn spectrum. And so, you know, just Taking a taking a a, a a belt to somebody's wet butt cheeks is is maybe you know I don't think that listen I don't think that works on anybody to be honest with you I think it just sounds like some shit that they would use in Guantanamo Bay, but yeah. you know but but the you know just because it works on one person doesn't mean it it works for, for everybody else and I think a lot of maybe maybe it was people of an older generation you know what I mean the that's the way that we've always done it type of mentality seems to prevail and yeah. it's up to it's up to us especially up to us as possibly potential fathers to kind of break those cycles and and to and to think about it and say like maybe there's a maybe there's a different way or maybe there's a better way so
0: yeah i think so um the lady came out justifying her behavior but it's just more black community shit. you know feeling like you know the reason that our children are messed up is because we ain't whooping them that's just from a flawed perspective you know that's. She's not informed enough to make that assessment. She hasn't interacted with enough people. She ain't read enough research. She ain't done enough research to see how beating your kid. And we use the word beat. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that that's, that word is harsh. Beating is bad. And then we use the word, we generalize the word discipline. Like when somebody across the street say, you got to discipline your children. Everybody in the black community be like, yeah, yeah, you got to discipline your children. They don't know that the discipline across the street is tying your kids to the back of a fucking tree and beating his ass butt naked. We yeah. just generally say, yeah, discipline. But we have no universal understanding of what discipline means. Most of us was fucking abused. Most of mm. us that got yeah. whipping in the black community was abused. We weren't whooped appropriately. You know, and it ain't going to work. So right about now, I'm going to plug this track <laughs> that uh, led to his final comment about uh, the EP Meat Plate in 2020. And we'll see where that goes. Give me some feedback about that, anyway. Um, thank y'all for writing in. And if um, Colin wrote some letters now, but you know, it's not appropriate for Colin to answer his own letter, so we're gonna wait to do those when uh, Red get back. But if you have any letters, you can send that to the Facebook page at Conversation Con Artist, so you can send it to the uh, Gmail at Conversation Artist at gmail.com. Uh, let's get into some stories. Just you want to get started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let me take a look here. I got a small list and we're gonna try not to run I'm not try not to run over time and all that good stuff, but I got some stories. It's all a little... good, man. It's good. Whatever, right.
0: whatever you wanna do is cool. My story your stories. I knew you was gonna bring up what I was gonna bring, so I kinda had some little filler
1: secondary type okay. stories. Right. So we can run through your stuff and then go to mine. So I think I'm gonna go I wanna start, I think, um with uh, this Miles Garrett story with the with the Cleveland Browns, um, and and it's going to kind of cascade. I got so I got three stories that are kind of sports related, um, and so we'll just kind of maybe kind of bunch those together and kind of roll through them. Um, okay. But but the first one is I don't know if anybody else out there we got some sports fans, some NFL fans. <laughs> Me in particular, I'm not the biggest NFL fan anymore. One of my stories is going to talk about the, the Colin Kaepernick workout also. So that's I, I think that's probably self-explanatory why I'm not. You know, I still watch. I still watch football most weekends, but I'm not um, as ardent or as, as a follower as I used to be, um, just because I, you know, there's some realities there, and we can get into that. But so Thursday night football, it was the Browns and the Steelers, and at the end of the game, apparently the the quarterback, backup quarterback, I think his name is, I think it's Mason Rudolph, is his name. This is alleged on the other side that he had kicked Miles Garrett in the junk. Miles Garrett didn't like it, so he's going after him. He ripped his helmet off on the field and hit him with it. So, can't do that. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's, it's total total unsportsmanlike conduct, totally wrong. Um, Anytime you're playing a sport, I guess, except for hockey, apparently, you're not supposed to be fighting each other. You're supposed to be trying to use your physical ability, your athletic ability to score points to defeat your opponent in a a sportsmanlike manner, right? That's like the whole reason why, you know, everybody, when you're a little kid, you line up and you say good game and shake hands after the game, win or lose. It's supposed to be about having fun winning. Yes, there has to be a winner and a loser, but it's supposed to be about having fun and being good sports while you're doing it. So this was wrong. However, I just want to talk about this for a second and then Um, because you have people who their immediate reaction was that this was the most disgusting thing that they had seen in sports or in football ever, or the worst thing that they've ever seen, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, Miles Garrett has a teammate, plays running back by the name of Kareem Hunt, who was videotaped almost pretty much literally kicking a, a woman like this is Sparta from the 300 movie, and he's still playing. And he only got an eight-game suspension. And you got people out there who are saying that Miles Garrett, because he fought another grown man in a moment of frustration, yeah, he used a helmet as a weapon, which he could have seriously injured him or hurt him or maybe even killed him. But, he, you know, essentially because in a game of violence, football, he did football at the wrong time is basically what happened. You're he, supposed to do football for four quarters but when they blow the whistle you're supposed to stop doing football well he did, he stopped he didn't stop doing football he did he did extra football with with the helmet and everything so extra violence you know out, outside of when you're supposed to be being violent and trying to hurt the other person right so i mean you got people saying that he should be banned from the league and i just i just think it's it's kind of sad how the the game of football kind of has like this almost like religious kind of cult like uh following around it where you know, it's like a. It's literally like people go. It's like they go to church on Sunday and pray to this at the at the Coliseum. Watch the gladiators fight each other. You know, the only thing that they don't don't do is they don't let some lions out the locker room. Like you know, well they got lions, but the team's trash. But they don't they don't let actual real lions and tigers and, or whatever other beasts out of the locker room for the football players to try to tackle to score a touchdown. I mean, it's like a, the 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 way that the way that I think people, kind of have glorified it is is it's the wrong way i mean somebody like somebody who who beats another human being who beats a woman you know or a child for example is you had the adrian peterson one from a long time ago where he whooped his little son so bad that he made his like four-year-old son's testicles bleed like and then he was able to serve a suspension and is out there being celebrated every every week by not only the fans because the fans are stupid i don't give a fan fans can be stupid they're just regular people you know what i mean i don't i don't, I don't Assign any any blame or any kind of responsibility to fans to act right and that's why they fans fanatic I mean, that's why you know so yeah. but then but but like the 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 media the coaches the executives like everybody else that follows the sport I mean you can't find anybody out there now who if Adrian Peterson had a hundred yard rushing game and scored a couple of touchdowns Oh, man great Hall of Fame player. That's all they would say, you know They wouldn't talk about like oh, but also he beats children until their testicles bleed so same thing with like Kareem Hunt. It's like, wow, he's really gonna help this team, push them over the top to try to get to the playoffs. But never mind the fact he was on camera kicking the shit out of a woman in a in a hotel in a hotel hallway. Kicking her down at her in her chest and then kicking her while she was down. You know, so it's just a talking about that kind of disparity and why, you know, I just there's a lot of problems with, with football as a sport and you know, it kind of comes in some of that toxic masculinity too, you know. A lot of these people grew up in these communities where you know you got to be tough, you got to be a man. you can't cry, You can't show any emotion, you can't show feelings, you gotta beat everybody else up. So it's just there, there's a lot there are there there are a lot of different things I think that that you know we probably as a as a society and even you know, as you narrow it down as a black community, you need to unpack about this game of football itself to where it can get back to being that good sportsman like atmosphere where you know people are lining up and shaking hands after the game is over and saying good game and and getting the orange slices and the juice boxes and not literally but you know you know what i mean as far as like making yeah, it about yeah. about the actual sport aspect of it and 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 having it be all about all the stuff that they have in the sports movies about being great young men and all this other kind of stuff that they talk about and everything they talk about, about like college football, for example, like trying to raise good student athletes and raising young men and all this other kind of stuff that I think that they've gotten away from. And I think it's particularly sad that you can see they got away from it when you got people saying somebody who hit another guy in the head in the, in the football game should be banned for life, but you got people beating women and children who are out there playing, still making their millions. So, um,
0: I don't know if you you know, but there has been some. There's been overwhelming support for this uh, legislation that would make domestic violence offenders have to register in a domestic violence registry the same way as mm-hmm. sexual offenders have to register, and there's been a lot of support for that, you yeah. know. But what this story brings up to me is the acknowledgement that the NFL is a business, yeah, and that, uh the same people that would have to call these men out on their behaviors are the very men that's been portraying some of these behaviors in their whole life. That's why it's hard for them to look at a Ray Rice or an Adrian Peterson or a Kareem Hunt and say, we've got to create these vast, deep consequences for this behavior because we've done this stuff. And it's the same way for politicians. A whole bunch of politicians are going to get their shit rocked and their ass kicked out of them. Congress if they got to register for a domestic violence registry, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's Mm -hmm. the same thing for the NFL They have this selective How they allocate consequences But I think that system is measured based on how many people are advocating for it and how much potential money It looks like any organization in the NFL will lose if they go with this versus how much they can gain if they keep that person on so if this person is the savior of your franchise then your consequences ain't going to be as heavy handed as somebody who may not really be there. They in their prime, they getting over it. They didn't have a good last season. You just got a good backup. Um, but that can be overridden by if it's so many organizations that it looks like your franchise is going to be damaged by letting this person stay. And it so it's no general guidelines of how to do this and how to measure this. And if you watch the video, Yeah, I mean, he probably did get kicked in the nuts by the quarterback, and the quarterback tried to take off his helmet. But once that flag was thrown, quarterback stopped. Yep. Quarterback realized that shit was going down. And his teammates, while it looked like it was three on one, the teammates were holding him back, trying to separate the two. Yep. Only when that man took that quarterback quarterback helmet off and put it over his head did them dudes turn into aggression mode. They activated, boy. At, yep. at that moment, they activated. And you can see the moment where they was like, fuck. And then that's their quarterback, bro. Like, they they are paid to protect that man if either one of them are offense. Well, they, both of them had to be offensive linemen. They are paid to protect their quarterback. If you think that shit in at the snap of the football and the play over, hit that man in the head with a helmet again and see what happened. Yeah, See what his offensive linemen do to you. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, did you know that the, the blindside tackle is one of the highest paid positions on the football team?
1: Yep. Yep. I,
0: I didn't know that until until my brother told me he's a blindside tackle because he got the most important job. He is protecting the back of the quarterback.
1: Yep. Yep. That's
0: crazy. You get that yep. blindside, you in the game. But I just watched the Kareem Hunt video.
1: Whew. Yeah. He's playing. He's playing. He's playing on Thursday. Damn. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. It is. To go back more to that selective shit, you know?
1: Yeah. It, it, and it's crazy. Yeah. I just think somebody there was another, there's a, someone I saw on Twitter said that it had that, had that have happened, and the Steelers and Browns were playing at one o'clock on Sunday and that crowded slate of games, and it wasn't nationally televised, that they, he, maybe he wouldn't have got suspended for the whole season, because, you know, because it was nationally televised, everybody saw it, it was the end of the game, primetime television, you know, Thursday night, the big week, weeknight game, that's why they say that you know the NFL and you know they reacted the way that they did with that suspension. They said yeah. if it had been like that one p.m. Sunday, where there's like eight, twelve games, twelve different games on, it was just on Red Zone Channel. Yeah. You know what I mean? You couldn't even get the, the the national broadcast, and he had done it. They said you know he might have got like six six games. you know, because nobody would have yeah. saw it, and then the reaction wouldn't have been how it was. You know, they had to overreact, like you said. Those consequences had to come in that way because everybody yeah. saw it. So yeah. But but yeah, it's 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 a business and. You know, I think it's you know it's a problematic business, probably for a lot of different reasons. But um, you know, it's, it's just a shame to me because I'm a big fan of the game of football itself, and you know, it's just a shame shame to kind of see it like just just on on both ends. It gets you know overly. I don't even know the right word to say. I was going to say overly businessized, but that's not even a real word. But <laughs> the fact the fact that they've made it too business like, too much of a business atmosphere, corporate atmosphere. And then on the other end, just seeing, you know, we're having, we're just not, we're not putting, putting, we're not teaching the, the young people who are playing that are rising up through college and everything else the right things. I mean, nobody should be out there so aggressive they want to take somebody's helmet off and hit them with it. I mean, it's just, you know, you shouldn't want to, you shouldn't want to take anybody's helmet off and hit them with it at any, anywhere on a football field or otherwise. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, people shouldn't mm-hmm. be wanting to come, to come to blows over stuff. You, should, you know, we should be supposed to be civilized creatures. You know what I'm saying? But You know that's so it's just a it's just a shame because it's a great game and it shouldn't be ruined by stuff like that. Yeah. What what story does that roll over into for you? So that's gonna roll into Colin Kaepernick because we're still still on the topic of football and the NFL and the business. And so Colin Kaepernick had a workout schedule for this weekend, Um, and it wasn't until today when I was preparing for this uh, when we were talking on the uh, texting earlier. Uh, about coming, to, trying to do the fill-in uh, with Red being sick, but the um, there was a there's a lot of behind the scenes of what happened with that. So what what happened is the NFL reached out to his people, tried to say, hey, we want to schedule a workout, mm-hmm. but you can't bring a camera crew, you can't bring uh, there's not going to be any media access, um, and we're not going to allow anybody else essentially to report on it. And then his camp went back and said, like, hey, can we do it on Tuesday? Because apparently in the NFL across the league, Tuesdays is the main day that's like an off day. And that's when a lot of teams either bring in a, a player for a tryout or they hold open tryouts where a lot of teams fly their people out because they're not playing on Thursday. You know, Saturday, the teams are traveling, and getting ready for their games on Sunday, Monday night football, et cetera, et cetera. People are traveling back from Sunday games. The NFL told them no. They They also said, well, can we... Maybe schedule it. Maybe not this week. Can we do next week? You we know, don't. We don't. You know. Can we just try it next week? No. NFL told him no. It has to be Saturday. So it was supposed to be at the Atlanta Falcons training facility, and it was only supposed to be after the Atlanta Falcons left to travel for their game that they're playing. They're, I think they're playing. I think they're playing in London this weekend, maybe. So, um, so Kaepernick then said, "You know what? No, I, I don't want to do it under under however the NFL says it's going to be. And I want there to be cameras there because I want people to see it and then not be able to say." that I looked like trash in my workout or whatever it was. So I ended up moving it to a high school that was outside of Atlanta and only about eight teams had representatives show up from what was reported to be like 22 or 24 different teams were going to be coming. Cause it was an official tryout. But after that, a bunch of people bowed out and everything else or like, or maybe it was however the NFL had set it up. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know what the, 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 the circumstances are there, but it's just funny to me, you know, I, I don't, it, it's a delicate thing because if you watch the video of him giving his interview after his workout, you know, kind of the way that he's that he's, he's he's really aggressive. And so on, on one instance, it's like, hey, if you want a team to pick you up and sign you, you can't be talking trash about Roger Goodell in the in the post-workout interview necessarily. So you, but at the same time, it's like, but I get it because. You just all you're trying to do is have the fair, correct, same process as everybody else. And now you got the NFL doing all this kind of underhanded, shady stuff that kind of makes it look like they don't really want you to get out there. They're just trying to, they're just trying to, like my my brother, when I talked to him about this, was saying, yeah, what probably happened was all these quarterbacks are getting hurt. NFL ratings, they got the stats back. The ratings are down. They're going to try to have a workout for to try to generate some stories and some buzz, post some stuff on NFL.com to get people to pay attention and have the ratings go back up. But when Kaepernick was like, nah, you ain't going to use me for that. This is actually supposed to be a real workout. Then, all of a sudden it was a problem. so um, just real interesting. I mean, I you know we can we can do probably a whole episode just specifically on the anthem protest itself and kneeling, and particularly for me as a military veteran, particularly for me as a veteran who went overseas to Iraq on a tour of duty. Um, particularly I, mean, I went to the to the military academy. I come from a military family. Um, we you know i'm a I'm a third third generation military officer on my dad's side um, and and then my mom, both my moms, her late father, her late stepfather, um, cousins, uh, you know, we, we are a family of public servants, specifically, you know, military veterans and not one person in my family on either side, because my mom's side of her family, my mom's biracial, she's got both black folks and white folks in her family. Mm-hmm. So to, to make it another thing, because people want to say, you know, with racial injustice and stuff, they want to try to say, oh, you know, well, it's, you know it's just because black folks, blah, blah. No, uh, nobody who is a legitimate veteran, um, you know, in my family has a problem with it. Because all of us kind of understood, and then he says, me get on my soapbox a little bit. We raise our hand and take that oath it's specifically so that people can have the freedom to 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 do whatever they want in this country, to include put on a white hood and and march around and burn crosses, in the name of 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 bigotry. Essentially, that's a freedom. That's a right that you get because that's what the United States is supposed to be about. Yeah, we might not like it, but guess what? We're gonna go over there and defend the Constitution and make sure people have the right to do that. So, um, that's kind of the all I had to say about that story. I just you know, if anybody else would had had saw the the that interview in particular, and if you saw the workout. That I man can throw a football, man. So if you if you one of these sorry ass teams out here with sorry backup quarterbacks who shouldn't even be in the league, I mean you can't do worse than letting them come in if you especially if your season's already damn over anyway. Like if you're the damn Pittsburgh Steelers out there, can't, you know, getting your quarterback hit over the head with a damn helmet, you could probably at least have Calvin Kaepernick out there. You might win some you might win a couple more games, maybe make the playoffs instead of missing the playoffs outright. Or at least, you know, it'd be exciting. People want to watch. That's the other thing they think that like people will, will turn will turn it off, right? Yeah. They think that you know angry angry fans will turn it off. They ain't gonna turn it off. Number one, they ain't gonna miss it. The, they ain't gonna miss their team because, like I said, it's that religion. They ain't they ain't gonna miss it. They are gonna show up for church on Sunday. So, but on top of that, they are gonna show up because they want to see him fail. They gonna show up and watch because they wanna they wanna see and hope that he fails. And then on the other side, people are gonna be rooting for him. But you know, you know people people are short sighted. You know, but um. That's the that's the the second second sports story out of three, that I got. So, so,
0: um, Nick Wright on YouTube kind of gave you know his assessment of the situation, and you know one of my friends on Facebook was like, "It's infuriating to watch white people that get it explain it to black people that especially should get it," yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what he was basically saying is an NFL rep off record, no so nobody know who he is, came out and said, it's clear that he's ready to play. Yeah. Which coming from a rep has to mean that they saw performance. And so people are saying things like, well, he had on a Kunta Kinte shirt. He moved the uh, uh he moved it to another location. If he really wanted to play, he would have done, he would have done it where they wanted to do it at. You know, they had a very peculiar special waiver about not holding the NFL liable for any injuries, but on top of that, not being able to bring any lawsuits to them forward. So it was worded in a way that seemed like they were trying to get themselves out of any future litigation Mm -hmm. with him. And so black people are like, well, he had on a Kunta Kinte shirt. That's That's not right. And he wanted the media to be there. And there's reports about this Nike contract, Nike commercial ad that they wanted to film. And, you know, he didn't do it at this stadium. And it's like what Nick Wright said was if this shit was about Colin Kaepernick's ability to perform, the only thing that would matter is that he was able to perform regardless of what shirt he had on regardless of the waiver that he didn't want to sign, regardless of if he wanted the media there, and regardless of if he's... Mm -hmm. venue, If he went there and he performed and it was only about performing to you, you wouldn't be bringing up all of this shit. And not only that, but Colin Kaepernick was wronged by this organization. And what you're saying is, okay, uh, you wronged Colin Kaepernick, uh, but we want you, Colin, to trust them this time because they ain't going to do it. You know, they're not going to take... The, the media, they're not going to take your video that only they could record and edit out the good parts and put the bad parts and say he's not ready. You know, they're not going to sneak a contract in there and try to uh, remove your ability to, you know, bring litigation against them in the future. You know, so he wanted transparency and he had to create his own standards for transparency. And what Nick Wright said was, you know what? Uh, he said that he don't think anybody. Uh, the black dude on on the panel said, I don't think that anybody won in this situation, and and Nick Wright said, I th- I think the NFL won. I think they got people talking about the components of Colin Kaepernick that they want him to talk about because they get to say we did our job, we mm-hmm. gave him the we yep. tr- gave him the workout, yep. and. Everybody else is doing the work that they don't even have to do now because they saying, "Oh, he had on this shirt. Oh, he changed the location. Oh, he did all of this. He did all of that." Which means that this was never about his workout. This was right. about an opportunity to have a PR stunt and probably to put themselves in the position that they gained from this. Yep. You know, and Eric Reed, man. Eric Reed said some real shit, boy. Because yeah. you know, Eric Reed, he he was kneeling beside Colin Kaepernick, and he got put off his team. You know, and, and was out for a while before he got picked up by a team. And he was saying, I think this is a PR stunt. I don't, I, I mean, I got to see it to believe it. And a, a reporter said, do you think this is progress? He said, I'm going to quote Malcolm X. If you stick a nine-inch knife in my back and pull it out six inches, that ain't progress. That's still a knife in my back. I was like, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> that shit was, but like, that was real shit, you know? Yeah. And so... I, I just hate that this has been politicized so much and it's turned to what's not going to be an opportunity. He pointed out another thing. He said, Colin Kaepernick was throwing that ball across the field, which has absolutely no functional purpose outside of football. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he's been working for five days a week for three years to stay prepared. There is no reason for him to be doing that if the purpose wasn't for him to be ready to play in the NFL. Yeah. He's doing this for this job opportunity. And if y'all gonna let... And, and what what Colin Kaepernick can stay consistent on, which I respect the fuck out of him for, is that I am not going to put aside any of my morals for any opportunity. And he's staying true to that shit. And I, I... Shit, I support that nigga for that. If that nigga come up with a clothing line today, I'm buying some shit.
1: He got some shit for sale on Nike. I know that. So
0: You know, but then that gets into... Is Nike genuine or is Nike capitalizing? You know yeah, what I'm I, I don't People know. criticize
1: him for the I, people criticize Nike for that too.
0: Yeah. Look, yeah. if any here is Colin Kaepernick.com come out and the proceeds go to whatever the hell he wanted to go to, I'm buying that shit. Yeah,
1: yeah, me too, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be on there. will well, hopefully, I could buy it. You know, it'll be sold out. So that's, that's You're right. I'm gonna
0: try. I'm gonna so, try to
1: get you. try. Yeah, but. But um, it, this 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 goes in right into that, that that other story though, which is the 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 pundits talking about it, which was Stephen A. Smith was the last one I was going to bring up uh, uh, for this one before we talk about what I think will be the highlight uh, topic of the of the show, which is the John Legend, uh, which I'm going to tease that for a little <laughs> bit later. But uh, but um, yeah, Stephen A. was one of those same people who uh, Eric Reid criticized, and um, and and it. And it I'm 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 just tired of Stephen A. Smith's bullshit. So um, I'm t- I'm tired of him. Uh, he's one of those people who who's gotten really used to smelling his own farts. You know what I mean? Where where yeah, yeah. he he's become? You know he he reminds me of. I don't know if you've seen. Um, there's a couple people that 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 are out there in, in our not even just sports, but just our kind of like celebrity, our public public sphere. Um, but you've seen V for Vendetta, right? Yes. The, the, you know, there's like the prime minister or the minister of information or whatever. He's the dude that plays his own speeches back to himself while he's taking the shower, because he's yes. just so full of himself that like that's that's how I feel about Stephen A. Smith. Which is, he grew up. Uh, the reason why Stephen A. Smith got to where he got to is because he did put in a lot of work being a, a fantastic journalist when it comes to the NBA and boxing. Those are the two sports that, even today, when he's being a loudmouth and he's and he's doing all the theatrics and everything for television when it comes to him talking about the nba or boxing i actually do listen to what he has to say because i know that it comes from a place of experience and knowledge and and from actual sources the nfl stuff you know it's pretty easy he he's from new york he doesn't says he doesn't like the Dallas Cowboys it gets people riled up that's all you got to do he doesn't really have to work that hard at that kind of stuff um but i'm just i'm just tired of his bullshit cuz it's like he's one of those people who by the by the the the, the where his platform is as a black man in America with that particular platform, he could be taking, I think, a more responsible stance to some of this stuff. Um, And he consistently does whatever is the most convenient stance for Stephen A. Smith. And I mean, I get it. We all got to pay our bills. You know, who knows what, what he thinks may or may not happen to his compensation or his contract if he were to Come out fully in support of a lot of the same things that that Colin Kaepernick's in support of, or, or anything else that goes on in sports. But um, you know, he does this thing where he'll say he had the, he had this video that came out. I don't know if you saw this one too, and you know, I'll just talk about it for the people that are, are listening. But this video where he came out and said, you know, I don't think Colin Kaepernick really wants to play, you know, because the way he showed up and the shirt he had on and blah blah blah, right? And it was just like Eric Reid called him out. It was like, nah, bro. He wants to play. Why you gotta make it about all this other stuff? You know what I mean? You don't know. You don't really know the whole story. Blah blah blah. And then Stephen A. responded with this long post, tagging Eric Reid multiple times on, I think it was on Instagram, and he was talking about like, you know, I, you know, don't don't come to me about my support for our blood brothers and sisters out there. He always does this thing where he'll pick the convenient argument for the for what's convenient for the Stephen A. Smith brand, and then when you call him out on it, legitimately. He then defaults back to that position of like, well, how dare you question me as a black man? Because I'm Stephen A. Smith, and I'm the blackest, blackity black that's out, that's ever black. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, like you, yeah. you know. And I just, it's just, I'm just tired of that. And it, and, and it, I'm so glad you mentioned that Nick Wright video because it was, it, it's right on point with what, which is why you are Mr. On Point. Uh, it's right on point <laughs> with, uh, with, with exactly what I'm talking about. With Stephen A. Smith which just like, yo, white folks shouldn't be having to explain this shit to black folks. Like, that's, that's like, come on now. You you should, we, you're supposed to already know what the, what the deal is, Stephen A. How long you been around this business for how long? And you came up in boxing and in basketball and, and you, and, and you out here talking about, he don't really want to play and this other stuff. And like, but then flip flopping and saying, oh, come on, man, come on. So that was just the, that was, that was the last part of that kind of NFL arc that I had.
0: Um, yeah. It's hard to know With people like Stephen A. Smith, where his morals end and his work begins, you know, how, where his ethic and what he really believes ends and what he's doing to maintain, to get a $40 million contract
1: begins. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's hard to know where those go. It's hard to know how much he's giving up of what he believes and wants to say because he's appeasing people that write his checks, you know, or he's having conversations about pe- with people about saying uh, what direction you should be leaning in for your brand, or how much of his brand, you know, hinges upon you know challenging the black community in these ways that that creates this problem because he mm-hmm. never seemed to have these this kind of rant about white when they be doing crazy shit it just be when it come to black people he just some particular view that it's just off-putting for him to be on the platform that he is on you know sometimes he just getting these exclusive conversations and it's just Mm he I don't know it just don't fit for me he just and his what he came on stage had a video of him you know, and he was showing the video and he said, Stephen A, you you're saying a lot, but like, this, do you have a mustache or not? Like, <laughs> I just need to know if this is a mustache or I don't know. Like, he just went in on, you know, how Kev on stage, dude. That shit was funny because whatever that, yeah. whatever he got on his face, he is like, he went to the barber and said, Give me the smallest Hitler mustache you can achieve. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. It just look weird. But like, you know, yeah. it's just, it's unfortunate, man. but it get it, so it goes back deeper into that conversation where I was had I went to a mosque most recently, and it was for this group that I, I I collaborate with. That's you know we go into the community and we work with black men to this mosque. Now I don't really fuck with Farrakhan, you know, because he's just so deeply anti-Semitic, and if you're okay with anybody, then I'm not, I can't rock with you. Uh, um, I don't like this idea of putting uh, people's oppression on scales. Um, mm, yeah, look, let me just go ahead and say this, and I guess it's gonna sound anti-Semitic and it's gonna be proud. I stereotype for my culture was that we we got too much money that we we be trying to do so much stuff with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know. And if you put that on a scale, you can say with well, their oppression and their. Troubles and they stuff is different than I was his work. I don't get into that shit. Your problem is 100% your problem. My problem yeah, 100% my problem. I'm not going to try to make you look at mine as worse. I'm not going to look at yours as better. I'm going to understand that the way your life is lived, your struggles are yours and mine are mine. And if you're a str- oppressed with your struggles, I'm going to advocate for you. So I can't rock with Farrakhan. But I was there talking about this concept of how And I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm always had this dialogue about how there could be two, three hundred slaves on a plantation and 10, 15 overseers and nobody. There was not as many uprisings. It's because the psychological warfare was done. They pit um, big against little black. They pit light against dark. They pit field against house. They pit man against woman. They pit family against family. They pit adult against child. And you can see every single fucking one of those shits today. You can see adult versus child because we were just talking about that shit. You can go to podcast, you can go to Twitter now and see Team Light Skin versus Team Dark Skin. You can find mm-hmm. a whole bunch of house slave references and field slave references on Twitter. If you Google that hashtag, you all of that shit. We started doing the work for the master. Yep. The master didn't have to do work. The master didn't have to monitor the how the field slave. The house slaves monitored the field slaves. We still got that shit going on. We are doing the work of the oppressors as the opp- because they trained us to do that shit, and so we have people like Stephen A. is doing the work of white people. Now I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious. You know, for motherfuckers like Candace Owens, it's fully conscious. But I don't know if it's conscious or not for 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 Steve, uh, Stephen A. and some other people. I don't know if it's conscious for, but it don't change the fact that they're still doing the work of the people that trained us to do the work for them. So, know. Shit about, we talk shit about us, and they just share our shit with other people. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yep, and and that's my problem. Like, at what point are we, we as a culture going to stop doing the work of the oppressors and start wo- working against our oppression? Because we ain't doing that shit now. It's the same thing for a black person move out of the hood. When Nipsey Hussle died, the conversation turned into, well, let me say, when Nipsey Hussle was murdered. Murdered. Let me not say die. Like that's passive. When Nipsey Hussle was murdered, you know, people were saying, "Is it worth coming back to your community and giving back?" You know, that yeah. conversation is just more of us doing work of them. You know, yeah, we doing their work. We need to be saying, as if more of us come in the community and do that shit, they can't kill all of our ass. Yeah, it ain't like exactly. they killed Nipsey Hussle just to kill him. It was a conflict that happened at that moment that created. A, a, a situation in which that man felt he needed to kill that dude, you know. So we, the conversation that don't need to be, damn, Do we really need to go to the hood? It need to be shit. More of us need to get back so we can have a measure of protection for everybody that came back. Yeah, that's the conversation we need to be having, you know. And I, I just hate that Stephen A. like evokes them thoughts in me. It's like he's doing the fucking work on him, you know. Yep. It just makes me feel that way. Yep. Yep that's my
1: thought that's the uh, that's the inner arc yep
0: that's it that's the that's
1: the that's the, all the NFL stories that I had uh, let me, for let this me episode
0: add a, let me add to, to the uh, NFL a little bit that that we missed out on the Colin Kaepernick thing uh, it's reported that Jay-Z is disappointed in Colin Kaepernick for that whole oh, really it's all trans. yes that's another report Unofficial, you know, because Jay Z don't just get on the fucking radio and say I'm disappointed in Colin Kaepernick. So a motherfucker that heard a motherfucker had to probably say, you know, disappointed. But it's not surprising because this had to have been a project of Jay Z. Steve Stephen A mentioned that other him and other people have been behind the scenes trying to get him this workout. He mentioned himself and he mentioned him. So it's work going into trying to get. But see, to me. That's just more of them doing the work for the oppressors. Like, Jay-Z, Z, believe that he's in an honorable enough spot to get this man the opportunity, but he don't know the intention that the NFL had with this. And Stephen A may also unintentionally be doing that work, but the fact that they are so blind and white people are so good at finding the ones that are are capable of doing it, it, it just just goes into the mastery of their colonization <laughs> and the skill that it takes to really oppress people, steal cultures, steal ideals, and then use that shit you stole against the people you stole it from. Bro, that takes a level of diabolical mastery that don't exist nowhere but in the goddamn movies. Yep. Yep. But that's, that's all I got with that shit. Did you have a oh. you had another one outside of the NFL art?
1: Yeah, the only other one that I have last thought uh for today. And then I know I think you said you got a couple of uh couple of thoughts too. I think we kind of were bringing some of the same stories today for the bulk of the conversations, but yeah. Um John Legend was named the people's sexiest man alive for 2019. So, first, you know, I mean, <laughs> look. Last year 2018 was Idris Elba. Everybody knows Idris Elba is a handsome man. Everybody knows Idris Elba's got a British accent. Everybody knows Idris Elba's been in movies. All this good stuff. He's a DJ, stylish. He's like the black James Bond, right? So uh, John Legend was named People's Sexiest Man of the Year uh, for this year, or Sexiest Man Alive, or whatever they call it. And the the reaction around the internet has been uh, fun to watch, is the best way that I could put it. <laughs> um, you got a lot of women um, who who probably, first of all, you got a lot of dudes clowning them because people just like to clown on people like John Legend for whatever reason. Probably because he's a little bit lighter complected, comple- com- has a little bit of a lighter complexion, you know, he, he sings, he doesn't have that that hood vibe or whatever it is. You got, so you got men out there clowning John Legend for it. Also, the photo that they use was terrible. I'm going to go ahead and say it. They could have done a better job with that photo shoot. I don't know why they have that man coming out of the swimming pool like that. It was, it was terrible. But um, on the other end of it, though, you had a lot of women who were the same. They let me tell you something. We all know John Legend is married to Chrissy Teigen. So when you are Ooh. when you're a singing, a sing a, a, a music artist, a, a singer, piano player, uh, I think that he's a reasonably handsome guy. Um, There's a lot of women out there who are like, hell no, ain't no way he can be sexiest man alive with each album boy last year. Who are women that I don't think John Legend would even be able to see existing in real life. Like I think that they would be invisible to him. And I know that's mean. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm really sorry, but (laughs) it's one of those things where you know if you're talking about positivity, which is you know you you know look in the mirror before you start talking trash about other people sometimes because you mean you know you ain't got. No leg to stand on. You probably shouldn't be talking about somebody who's only got one leg to stand on. I guess is the, kind of the way to put it. Um, but I, I, it's setting all that the jokes and stuff about it aside. And, and you know, again, I'm not a I'm not somebody who's uh, you know. Let me go ahead and put all these disclaimers in here because I'm a lawyer. You know, I believe not only in meat positivity, I believe in body positivity. You know, I'm not into fat shaming. I think that those things are horrible. Uh, Anti bullying, all that kind of stuff. Right. So. But so let's move on to the more serious part of this conversation, which is that talking about the differences uh, and what people find uh, what sexy is, what the definition of sexy is. It's going to be a little bit of a weird conversation. I think we were talking about this in the pre-show about how Red ain't here. So I can't really talk about what I think a lot of women think is sexy. I do know from talking to uh, the my lady that she does think that John Legend is a sexy man. She thinks that he's handsome. She likes uh, that he can sing and play the piano. He's a performing artist. Uh, She also, things that she finds um, attractive about him are uh, the fact that he's a good husband and a father. So there are a lot of different things that she says that are kind of going to that sexy package. And she also says she finds Idris Elvis sexy for a variety of different reasons. and so what I, I guess more of a tossing up the question over to you, Mr. Homepoints um, to start us off on this one is talking about those differences in definition of what sexy is to men on the other aspect. So we're talking about women in particular, since this this concept seems to be so wildly different. And they had two polarizing figures between Idris Elba and and John Legend. I mean, think maybe we can think of two other celebrity women that might have that same kind of polarizing reaction. You know, maybe you put Beyonce Beyonce on one end one of the spectrum and, um, What's the lady that plays? Uh, she plays Black Widow in the in the Marvel movies.
0: Scarlett uh,
1: Johansson. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson. So Let's do something like that. We put like, or even better. Here's an even better one. Let's put Beyonce on one end of the spectrum and Lupita Nyong'o on the other end of that spectrum. Different body types, different complexion, um, different career, um, yeah. different uh, way that they carry themselves, and so. And there's people that find them. Uh, Men that find them, and probably women too, that find them sexy for a variety of different reasons that are that are kind of personal. But those things I think tend to fall into one or two camps, maybe me personally. Um, so I want to know what you think about that, and 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 comment on that kind of dichotomy in our in our culture.
0: You know, I just, I think is you know is just more of like so sexy. It's just, it's crazy how women can switch sexy and off like. You don't really know shit about Idris Elba's relationship or no shit like that, but you can switch, like Idris Elba's sexy the previous year before, basically almost aesthetically and maybe positive energy that he carries. Uh, you see that shit with <laughs> <That's> him, <D-reff. laughs> and then you go to John in the next year where he he's just kind of like dad, skinny dad, by Family Guy, and there's yeah. a reason for him being a sexy and disappointed is because he got the whole package. So it's like, how, how, uh, how men, men don't, we don't really give a fuck what a woman got going on in the situation. Sexy is sexy. Sexy is aesthetic for us, you know, with a woman. Yeah. But apparently with women, it can be more than just aesthetic. It could be a package deal. So I wonder what the real, I, I just don't know what the real deal is. I think we've got to define sexy. Like, should we as men be looking at sexy as more of a package deal? And should women be looking at less? Either way, it plays to. Do you know what a you know what a you know what a heart look like? A real heart in your body look like. You seen a picture of a heart?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But we, you the heart. What it look like? This the what?
1: Uh, yeah, the
0: heart that we draw. The kids draw like Valentine's yeah. Day heart. You know the theory that that came from men equate a heart with the shape of the ass. <laughs> So oh, a heart man. <laughs> is really supposed to be like, like so the upside aesthetic. down butt cheeks. Exactly, it's supposed to, for men. That's what the representative of love is, and so that's kind of came to be that because a heart ain't shaped shit like that, mm-hmm. and you know. So if you research where it potentially came from, that's where the theory lies. You know. So it, as far as history goes back, we've looked at men, women from for the aesthetic perspective of being childbearing a uh, size and because we want attractive children, we want you to be able to carry as many children, so you have to be in shape a certain weight, you know. And men and men have always been sought out because of what they offer in terms of can you protect me, can I have security, will I be able to be taken care of? And that's the history. And so, when you look at it, you see the dichot- dichotomy between both of us. You see men looking at women for that same aesthetic we've always looked them for, and you see women. And that men, that package deal that they bring to the table for protection, because for women, aesthetic hasn't mattered as much as being able to take care of my shit. That's how over the course of history, ugly motherfuckers can get some fine motherfuckers if you got the (laughs) right pocket, you know what I'm saying? But in the dichotomy of women last year, just look at this, ooh, it was just fine as fuck. But now saying that John Legend got a package deal, I think that's a representation of the shift of women coming into that. I ain't gotta look for a man for no damn provide shit. I can provide for myself and I can just look at this man as a piece of candy. Cause I don't need him for all the extra shit. So yeah. I think we're looking at like that that shift that comes along with women gaining the independence that they gaining. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah. we and we come along in that shit. They still women in damn in Egypt and shit. <laughs> you ain't yeah. a virgin, you finna get yeah. stoned, boy. Um, but now I will say this. Outside of, I don't watch a lot of TV reality shows, especially now, except for singing shows. And John Legend this year is on The Voice. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I I really kind of see John Legend got confidence out the ass. Mm-hmm. And I if you watch him on The Voice, how he moves people, the comments he makes. You know that motherfucker just get up and just sang with a mother. Other people do that too now, don't get me wrong. But like John Legend, I can see the allure to John Legend. He's like a he's like a tender masculine motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? On the yeah. outside he seems kind of tender and soft, but I bet when it come to making decisions and shit, I, yeah. I bet he be I bet he know what the fuck he want. And that shit right there that be attractive to women. You know, that shit that that's that meat positive energy. That's that that Shit, yes. you can see when a motherfucker, when a motherfucker.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: that's that meat positive energy. That's right. You know, it ain't big dick energy because it ain't connected to what you see. It's connected uh, on the inside of his clothes. It's connected to how you see him acting. Like when you see John Legend stand up out of a chair and make a decision, you be like, "Damn, he made the shit out of that decision." Exactly. And that's what you, that's what you see with John Legend. So I can see how women can be attracted to that. You know. Um in terms of of trying to look at it objectively from a straight man's perspective, you know, I still got a little toxic masculinity lingering. I can't be like, I I understand what, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to objectively look at it and say, you know, it's just like black folks compliment each other. Well, you're trying to get all the holes, ain't you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who cut your hair? Yeah. Where your barber at? You know what I'm saying? We do a little passive shit to be like, you know, that, that means you think of me in a positive light right now. Well, it's yeah. certain shit we can't say. But I understand, man. But I also understand like Snoop Dogg, uh, he did a little fake photo shoot with himself labeled as the sexiest man alive. So it's like you see that men ain't even taking John Legend winning this as serious themselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah, even the hardest, toughest men have a measure of how to, to discern when a man should be accepted as sexy and when a man should not be accepted as sexy. He ain't going to come out and say, damn, uh, damn, John, you know, but what he will, he didn't, Snoop Dogg didn't do this shit last year with Idris Elba on the damn docket. <laughs> he did yeah. that shit this year with John Legend, you know, and and we know why, because it's just universally he ain't seen as as a sexy dude or whatever it is. Yeah, Who yeah. Who won before that motherfucker, uh, Blake, Blake Shelton?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. He
0: uh, and motherfucker was like, he just a country red. Like, it's thirty motherfuckers in Walmart down here look like him. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, so it be about that. Like, it it really a lot of the times be about that energy you bring. Listen, I'm a big dude. I'm hairy as shit. Uh, but when motherfucker, when I get around <laughs> people and I start talking, I did a con. I did like a three hour training. Uh, I did a three hour training about two months ago, and uh. And I just stood up there talking for three hours, and I was connected to this. uh, It was about ethics, ethics between counselors and social workers. And after after the thing, my business partner called me and said, "This girl that uh that worked with this these people, like three of them, asked for your phone number." (laughs) (laughs) So it's like the confidence and the energy that you bring sometimes makes a really big difference, you know. Yeah. I just got a plug that if you are stuck thinking that your meat is worth more than you, then you're going to be in in a position where you don't walk around with that confidence because this is about
1: meat, not about me. That, well, that's damn it, I keep right. messing it up.
0: It's no, a, but you, no not you're
1: right. In that instance, if you walk around like that, it's not about it's, meat, it's person. about me. Yeah, for that person, it's about the meat, not about me. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah you got it. That gotta. person
0: is about the meat, not about me. When you have adopted a way of thinking that is meat positive, you know that it's not about me, it's about me.
1: Yeah. I and, and I, I don't really have anything else to add to it because I mean you hit it on the on the head with that one, man. And and the th- that was the, the last thing I was going to say, last thought on that one is it's all about that meat positive energy. You know, somebody somebody like like you said, somebody like a John Legend could walk into a room full of NBA players, NFL players, Hockey players, you know, soccer pro, pro soccer player, you know, everybody that's supposed to be whatever, you know what I mean. He could walk into a room full of ten Idris Elbas, and he could walk out with the finest chick in the room because of that energy, exactly. you know, and because that's what women like. That's at least, at least, you know, the women that are, you know, majority women. And now I don't want to speak for all women because I'm not a woman, so apologies, ladies, if you're listening. But I, I think I truly believe in in talking to some folks and to into observing this stuff. Is that what what people really like is that energy you know you can yeah. the, the dude who thinks he's the hardest toughest baddest motherfucker in the room will get nothing and somebody like you said that has like kind of like that that tender exterior like John legend but it's got yeah. that positive energy oh he walking out with her
0: oh yeah because think about it if you if the value that you have is on your meat and how relative your meat size is to how much you're supposed to be valued if you walk into a place where you are perceiving other people as having more meat than you be it they taller be it they feet bigger be it they are athletes and they hold a position be it you not seen them dunking on folks Mm -hmm. you know if you walk in thinking that you're weighed out by how much you're supposed to have everybody else how your confidence is gonna be based on what you think everybody else got going on when you can remove that component from yourself and not think like that, it don't matter what everybody got when you walk in because you're securing what you got. And they can't nobody take that shit away from you when you got that security. Yep. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yep. I mean, it worked for me.
0: Yeah, I well, mean, sh-
1: that shit worked. I've never ever walked around talking about my meat or talking about my dick game or anything. I ain't never, not never talked about it. And I have been, I'm good to go. Me so. either.
0: And women don't know, women don't have to know what's in my pants to want to talk to me. You know that's, what I'm saying? That's right. To want to give me a number. You know, that's because right. of just whatever whatever their energy meter was, whatever they detected, that, that shit, they, they did. And they don't have to know what I got. They just know that externally, I am I got something out, of what my meat would be that they could potentially value. You know? Yep.
1: Because yep. everybody got meat. Everybody everybody got meat, so
0: So we are gonna hop into some politics for a minute Have you been keeping up with the race? Which race the
1: just the Democratic candidates because like, technically the Republicans got a couple of dudes trying to challenge out there too, But I uh, no, I, I haven't been keeping up too much. I've been keeping up with some highlights Um I'm just waiting on the primaries and then and then once once we kind of narrow the field a little bit and the and the primaries kind of get started, then I'll really start to dial in and pay attention. Cause before it was like Royal Rumble. We had like twenty-four candidates in a wrestling ring, all trying to like, you know, throw everybody else out the wrestling ring. It's too much. So but um uh, but I think I know what you're about to talk about.
0: So first off, let me let me try get, uh a picture of uh everybody a picture of who's qualified for the December debate so far. And I can't get to one of these websites without this fucking block over it, man. I, New York Times and goddamn Washington pissing me off with that. I gotta start using these incognito tabs on their ass.
1: Oh, with them damn
0: uh... Yeah, you know when you try to go to the, yeah, article, the article and then,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, you go to the article and then it's like okay, nah, you can't you see this because you ain't You ain't ain't special. You ain't paid, my man. Uh, hold on. Let me hit this incognito window. It worked. It works. Fuck Washington Post. Use incognito, everybody. Uh, So the people that have qualified at this point is Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Corey Booker and Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, Yang hadn't even qualified at this point, and he Yang gang been up here. Uh, cash having, I'm sad to hear that. But y'all know how yeah. it works. These people who have dropped out are all gonna be candidates for vice president at some point or another. They, the main runner, is gonna be having conversation with all these people that ain't in and saying, hey, you know, we can do this together. Uh, but Pete Buttigieg is not polling well. At all with black folks. And let me tell you what the man done did. He got this plan called the Douglas Plan. It's supposed to be the most transformative plan for black people in terms of uh candidates that have having plans for black people. And I can't really list what's in it right now. It's just so much shit. It's,
1: it's a whole bunch of stuff. Is is before we go on, is this Douglas plan named after Frederick Douglass?
0: It is named after Frederick Douglass.
1: Who married a white woman? Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But I mean, as 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 Pete, you might want to just you got to know your you got to know your community, Pete. That's all you got to know. I mean, so anyway. So more
0: than four hundred South Carolinians endorsed Mayor Pete Buttigieg's Douglas plan for Black America. He sent this out to everybody to endorse his plan. HBCUs and all over the place. He got Councilman Tamika Devine. And we don't know these people uh, unless you're from South Carolina or you mm. keep that up that deep with politics. Uh, South Carolina Democratic Party Black Caucus Chair Johnny Cordero, Rehobo Baptist Pastor and State Representative, plan and more than 400 Douglas Plan endorsers. Uh, 40% of this list w- was white. So Wait. let me just say, yes, 40% of this list was white. So if any of you listening happen to be running a political campaign in the future, and you're trying to, let's assume that most of you are black, and you're black, and you're trying to uh, come up with a plan for the Latino community in your section, what you should not do is make that list 40% of black people that endorse the move for the Latino community. It shit ain't going to work. So Pete Buttigieg doing that for the black community, uh, having 40% of the white people endorsing his plan, that's a problem. Not only that, a lot of the people he put in they endorse his plan, so apparently his his, um, his team was much kind of like asking them for some input about the plan and communicating the plan. They made it so vague that they interpreted them having that conversation as uh, endorsing the plan and endorsing Pete Buttigieg. And and one of these dudes, Johnny Cordero, he said. I never endorsed that plan. I don't know how my name got on there. No, that's not true. I know how my name got on there. Uh, I uh, I had some difficulties with it. The long and short of it is that they never sufficiently answered my question. So I never actually in, in, um, endorsed the plan. Uh, and he goes on to say that, um hold on, what did he say? He said that uh he was, hold on. He said that he didn't hold back because, you know, the people on his support team was white. Cordero didn't hold back. He basically said, he asked them, how did you come up with these solutions? Because he's not here for white people coming up with black solutions without involving black people. And they never sufficiently answered his questions of how they came up with this plan that's supposed to help black people. So he couldn't endorse it because of that, which those should be easy questions to answer, which means that these are white people solutions for black people problems again. Yeah. And so I just wanted to talk about this dumpster fire of an issue that Pete Buttigieg has and how his inexperience in politics is coming to play at this moment. <laughs> you know, yeah. if y'all didn't understand how on this national level experience makes a difference, there is a reason that local campaigns go hard on each other and they'll have a, a, a ad that says, you know, your senator was caught fucking a dog behind the church when he was young. You know what I'm saying? But they ain't going hard like that in in national politics. That's what experience does. You can't do shit like that and expect to get consistent results. And that's why you, when it comes to endorsements, those are real serious things. Joe Biden could have been said some shit about, you know, Obama told me he would endorse me at some point. This shit is serious. You can't falsify endorsements for a population you're already polling poorly with and it's going to turn out in something positive for you. He fucked up, y'all. And I just wanted to bring that up. If y'all ain't keeping up with politics, he's one of the 10 that we need to be looking at to see how we're going to vote. And I encourage y'all to vote what you believe. Fuck the people. At the end of the day, if, if, put a judge, if all the shit you read in terms of his plans overlap with what you believe and what you're congruent with, shit, vote for the motherfucker. I mean, he might not end up being on the ballot, but stick with the person you got. To me, you should stick with the person you got until they're gone and you find the next person that overlaps with what you believe, because we should be voting for our beliefs. And sometimes you ain't going to get everything you want, but you need to find out who overlaps with most of what you want and decide if that person is worth supporting. Not worrying about the people, you know, because the, as we talked about earlier, Republicans, they ain't going to attack these positions because they ain't got a tax for them. They're going to attack the people behind them, and they're going to make it seem like this shit in the worst-case scenario is going to fuck your life up, but they're not going to have a real counter to it. I know that's I don't know how much you know about that story, but that shit just I liked Pete at, uh may have Pete at first, but now it's like, eh, your inexperience with this situation, you ain't gonna be able to handle shit as no president, man. I mean, it kind of
1: makes sense. Like I was saying, it's the it's the Frederick Douglass plan. He was married to a white woman, 40% pretty close to 50, 50. 50, 50, 50% black, 50% white in the relationship. <laughs> you know what I'm Again, I'm so shit. <laughs> But um but yeah, I mean it's just one of those things where I, I feel like um well-intentioned white folks sometimes can miss the forest for the trees with some of this stuff, which is I don't I don't there's no doubt in my mind knowing and, and reading up on Mayor Pete um that he's that he's probably cooked this thing up and thinks it's it's definitely one of the most helpful things ever probably with no no malice no malicious bone in his body whatsoever when he came up with this kind of stuff but unless you really live that experience or unless you really get down there and get and roll up your sleeves and do that research and that work with folks who live that experience and know that community you just run the risk of missing the mark and and something as critical as a as a presidential election or a presidential campaign, you don't you can't afford to miss the mark on, on something like that. You know, you, you can you can miss the mark on something small. There's been a couple of like little things here or there, you know, or things that can kind of be explained away. A lot of people with Kamala Harris, Kamala or Kamala Harris, um, you know, they criticize her because um, you know, saying that with her being a a, a, a prosecutor that, you know, she locked up black folks and stuff like that and blah blah. blah. But I mean that, that's the that was a job. You know what I mean? I mean that's a that's a that's something that I think that you can explain, you know, to, to folks and then get people to say, all right, yeah. you know, we get it. You know, all right, you, you okay. You know, that was that's your job. Your job is a job. You did my job. You know what I mean? The law says what the law says, I did my job. You know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that you had to like it when you sent a young black person away to prison for something that was like a low level drug offense or something like that. But you're doing your job. You're you're trying the case that's in front of you. Um be a little bit different if they had found out through her her style that she was out there requesting the maximum sentence for everything. You, know, you might have a little bit of a problem there, but yeah. um but you know something like that for Mayor Pete, man, like that's hard, that's hard to recover from. Like it's, it's that's really it's really hard to 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 um you know you know yo, 40% of folks that endorse it were white folks, that's supposed to be the most ambitious plan for black folks. What about why only why only sixty percent of black folks? How come it wasn't eighty percent and twenty percent of white folks? How come it wasn't ninety percent of black, black of, of black endorsement? You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like a so it's it's just a it's it's a it's, an, it's one of those oversights. It's a blind spot, is what it is. Yeah, I mean, because Bernie Bernie Sanders has a lot of racial blind spots. There's a reason why I didn't particularly oh, like yeah. him as a candidate the last time around. I felt like you know was, he was really easy easily able to get up there and spit two to three talking points on why racial justice was important and why. Police accountability was important. But when it really kind of came down to it, it's like, but did you, do you really, really know though? Or are you just going to keep saying the same stuff about how you're just going to keep saying Black Lives Matter and talk about how you marched in the marches? Cause like, you know, there's like, there's you know, I need, need you know, we, we all kind of need a little bit more than that when we're trying to say like, okay, but do you really, do you really know though? Like, do you, do you know? And it's like, it's hard too, cause a lot of times black folks will be a little overly, um, you know, not judgmental or yeah, just judgmental on some candidates, like, you know, he basically it's like, you know, unless you was there, unless you unless you 296 years old and you was a slave, I ain't voting for your ass. It's, it's kind of how some of the, you know, <laughs> so some, some folks look at it. And it's it's hard, yeah. but but man, that's a that one from Mayor Pete, man. Come on, Pete. Come on, bro. Yeah. Like Because was the
0: thing that were you just deeply unaware that white people on a list supporting a plan for black people would be a problem? Or did you know it may potentially be a problem, but Having those extra names to you was as important as yeah. just white people, you know, just having black people. both, you know both of I those mean?
1: are problems. Both of the both of exactly. those are problems. Though.
0: yeah, both of them are problems. So the fact that he hit him and none of his staff didn't know it means there's not enough black voices on his staff, or the kind of black voices they have overt enough, or aren't listened to, you know, yeah, well, it's because a yeah, a lot of shit that white people and white businesses be doing would be cut. Real short if a black if they just say hey, listen us to our advisor. Hey, how you feel about this commercial nigga? Y'all gonna get roasted to death
1: Okay, mm, go yeah. back to the
0: drawing board everybody, you know, or if then he would have came and said hey Advisor check this list. Is this list? Okay? What the fuck are white people on this list for <laughs> like Like if yeah. they had like a, if they just had like I feel every campaign should just have the smartest nigga from the hood to consult with like yeah. every hood you go you should go to the hood the community organizer say, who is y'all this person here? You know what I'm saying? Like That's that going to be a bad look, too, because the, if, the, if it come out in the campaign and they went to the hood and say, hey, what's the farthest Negro you got? You know, that will be yeah. bad, you know? <laughs> so it's a catch-22 because we have a society that is is really sensitive to how things are being handled. It's like you can't really say, we asked black people this thing, you know, because people going to be like, okay, what black people? How did you ask them? What questions did you ask? But you also can't just do stuff regarding black people, because if you fuck it up, or even if it's good, Cordero was basically saying, look, it might be good, but who came up with this shit? You know what yeah. I'm mean? saying? He didn't even question the integrity of it. He was just asking who who, who helped write it. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's really hard to know how how you actually about it, but like this is I think you should take the criticism of trying to reach out to the community before you don't reach out to the community and just do whatever the fuck you want to do in the name of the community. Yeah. That's yeah. that's yeah. just a better route. Even if you take get shit from it, you'll be more respected, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, We coming up on, on the time, and I told you I'm going to keep you long, but goddamn it, talking to you is too damn enjoyable. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate
1: it. Your perspective is too goddamn good. Well, God damn we got anything else, or is, or is that was that pretty much it?
0: I mean, that uh, I could go into other shit. I, I'm a one. I'm gonna I'm pick one, and you tell me which. One. Do we
1: okay. want to talk
0: about Candace Owens claiming that she's never had news? Do we want to talk about Kanye
1: West saying that
0: he's the Fuck greatest him. artist Fuck that God's ever created?
1: I, that's that. We can we can do it's like lightning round. Fuck him. Okay. Okay. That, lightning that, round. We done, we've done that one. Fuck Kanye. So okay, we good. <laughs> 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 That's
0: all we need for that one. Uh
1: we used to call him Kunye. So
0: yeah, Kunye. We you know, again, we ain't had a conversation for real about Kanye since Kanye has transitioned over to this new Christian uh dialogue. You know, and apparently he spoke at uh Joel Osteen's church, and in that oh, he let, said that he's man the greatest artist that God ever created. <sighs> Hey, right, let's look, look, I want look. y'all to look at a picture of Joel Osteen, man. He looked like a Pixar villain. Yeah, yeah, He looked like I've a never... Pixar heard... to me. <laughs> He's exactly what he looks like. Not a Disney villain now. Let me be real specific. He looked like a Pixar, Pixar. villain.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or DreamWorks. I the other was yeah, DreamWorks, Pixar right? Yeah, DreamWorks. Dreamworks. one yes, of the 3D, like the 3D. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, all right. Let's talk about this real quick. I was trying to make it quick because we up on the time. And look, man, listen. This reminds me exactly of what used to bother me about the pastor at my grandma's church down in Georgia, which is every once in a while, Sunday, go to church. We always used to go to the early, the early session because grandma didn't like being at the church for like four hours. So we go to did that one hour, one done. And it was I'm not going to name names, but it was pastor. Pastor used to come around after that because grandma used to always sometimes like sometimes first Sunday, sometimes not. But she would host like a big dinner at her house. So, we'd fry up some good stuff. Well, I mean bad stuff technically. It's all bad for you, but it was some tasty food, man. It was tasty. So, fry up everything, get some good some pork chops going, collard greens, all of it, everything you can think of, right? It was like Thanksgiving in the middle of the summer. And Pastor Peck, pa- I mean not say his name, the pastor would come through the house. Pastor always had the S-class Mercedes. Pastor always had these expensive-looking like shirts and stuff on. Pastor always had the latest Bluetooth headset. Always had the latest flip phone. Back in the day, he had a Pastor had a Motorola Razr before anybody else in the hood could afford the Motorola Razr. You know what I'm saying? And that that kind of lack of for somebody who I'm I wouldn't call myself religious cuz I the the organization of Christianity in particular bothers me cuz of stuff like this. But um but, you know, the, the, in, the, in the church sermons that I grew up listening to and my parents and stuff like that and the, the things that I've read in the Bible myself and even the Quran and the Torah, other things, cause I like to read everything to get different perspectives on to try to bring some center or balance to my own beliefs. Like material, like that materialistic type of stuff is um is frowned upon and not not that you should not celebrate your own fortune or that you should not enjoy luxury if you can afford it or anything like that but it was the the flash and kind of that in your face kind of like almost open rejection of what God's word was supposed to be and i feel like that statement by Kanye is exactly the same thing you don't get to as just a person on the planet if you believe in heaven and earth and hell and all that kind of stuff you don't get to stand up somewhere in a church and and proclaim yourself the best artist that god has ever created you talk to god because I, I think god might say prince i'm just saying you know so <laughs> hey, i mean he definitely
0: know. wouldn't say kanye
1: no he definitely would not and so that and it's just a and then it's just the other part that's problematic which is like how you you know of course kanye of course you do this at joel osteen's church of course you do because why would you? The only other place I could think that might be a little bit worse is if he did it with Bishop T.D. Jakes. I mean, like, just you know, the 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 grandiose. You know what I mean? Or what's that dude's name? It was uh, Eddie Long, Bishop Eddie Long. Oh yeah, that big ass church in Atlanta. So yeah, and only you know, of course, it would have to be some sort of like mega church with somebody who's. Also, like, probably well-connected in the political community and everything else. Probably connected to Trump, if we're being honest. You know, and that, we all know that's that's Kanye's man's. So, it's just, the whole thing is just, it's just gross. You know, I just I don't like it. You know, you know, I, I, so I imagine if he's gonna make that turn, right, that his wife ain't gonna be showing her ass cheeks out in magazines and stuff anymore, right?
0: I so, mean, that's what he he, he said that to her, but, you know, you never know how she gonna respond to that. You know, yeah. but You know, I've talked about my qualms with faith for some time. Uh, I had a stepdaddy that got back on drugs and the pastor was allowing him to come in under the church still weekly. And Mm -hmm. that's what drove us out of that church. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom has been the musical ministry. We had a church where the pastor, a whole series of events led the pastor to call my mama a liar straight from hell. And she said she left the church crying. And that's what took us out of that church. Uh, at some point years found out he was misinformed on his perspective and he apologized to her, mm. you know, but being overexposed to church has really exposed me to the bureaucracy and the, and the man component in church. And yeah. it makes it hard for the organization to be something that I participate in consistently because it's still run by men, you know. And men are flawed, uh, you, but I do understand that if I believe that those men acquired gifts from God the way they did, that they are they can still be a proponent of translation and communicating the Bible in an effective enough way for us to understand it who don't have that gift of translation and whatnot.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: the fact that they are men first and God men second that our society puts as godly men first and regular men second is a problem to me and you know Crevelo dollar came out and asked for that jet from his plane and that sparked a lot of scrutiny about the the men of church so Joel Osteen and TD Jakes and they all came out and said things like you know I'm a mega church pastor but you know I don't make any money from the church Uh, I think they get paid a salary but in terms of like how much tithes go into the church I don't think they make Mm -hmm. money they would Emphasizing I make money from my books. I make money from my movies. I make money from my appearances I make money from all of this other stuff, you know, but that still has to be a massive amount Mm
1: -hmm. of
0: Money that they make in the name of the Lord Yeah, and what I do know that the Bible has said is that it's harder It's hard squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle than it is rich man to get into heaven so it makes it ironic that the people that we hold on the highest pedestal for our gateway into heaven are also the ones that have vastly more money than all of the people that they are leading, which mm. means I wonder if they're going to be able to get into heaven. if yeah. if That is accurate per the Bible's standards of how hard it is for a rich man to get into heaven, you know. Or is there, like, maybe heaven got a definition of rich, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe maybe a billion dollars to heaven standard is rich and they still poor by God's standards because everything with God is infinity, like, you know, or does he interpret that through man's eyes of what rich is on each individual man's interpretation? I don't know. But I, what I do know is that, listen, I'm not going to be somebody who calls Kanye's spiritual awakening uh, a, a fake or yeah. false. Yeah. Or something that isn't genuine. I will say that a narcissist that come to God is still a fucking narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that, <laughs> you yeah. know, so yeah. it's not yeah. surprising that he is now the greatest artist that God has ever created upon yeah. his awakening. Yeah, You know? Um, uh, the other thing I had was, uh, Rodney Reed has a stay of execution now. If you have been keeping up with Rodney Reed, he yeah. supposedly killed a woman in 1996. Um, they found his semen inside of her, but you know they didn't conceptualize that she might be having an affair with a black man. Nope, mm-hmm. he killed her and raped her, and that's what it is. He's not gonna be killed now. They're gonna take that back to trial, and uh, we're gonna keep having conversations about Popeyes, man. Let me just say that I'm really tired. We got like five minutes left. I just want to say really tired of. Uh, people seeing uh, what black people are doing at Popeye's because most Popeyes are in black neighborhoods and It ain't like black people just going to fucking fine like is this before that chicken sandwich came out You can go to Popeye's at lunchtime and it was 20 niggas in there getting chicken, okay? It is not new that the black community is going to Popeye's, you know, yeah I just hate that they're seeing all of these murders at Popeye's and t- trying to charge it somehow to the character of the black community because go to Google and put in every fucking restaurant you know and put McDonald's, uh, person killed at McDonald's, person killed at Burger King, you will find somebody that's been killed at every one of them motherfuckers, okay? You yeah. know, don't just apply this shit to Popeye's because it's what's popping now and it's in the media right now, it's in videos and stuff right now, and people are sensationalizing it right now. That, like, don't do that shit. That that shit is disrespectful to the black community. And and if you are if you are somebody that's in the alt white community or even misinformed in the white community, and you're looking at these black people and you're starting to form an opinion about black people because of how aggressive they have been about these chicken sandwiches, then you're gonna have to accept that a black person can look at you because of all the white people in these videos that keep calling black folks niggas at Popeyes. Yeah. And you can't be mad if a black person applies racist you because uh, because you're a part of the culture. That like that's how it feels for you to be generalized in a group that don't really reflect your own particular behaviors and actions. It's ridiculous. Have you had one of them cheese sandwiches? Y'all got Popeyes up there?
1: Yeah, well they got we got it up here. And I one type the closest Popeyes here is about 20 minutes. So because it's not something that they don't have a ton of fast food other than McDonald's uh, anywhere. In in the city up here, even like where I live in South Seattle, it's kind of it's the black neighborhood, and there's not even a Popeyes here. There's there's a there's a Ezell's, which is like kind of a local fried chicken joint. Um, yeah, it's owned own, operated by a black dude uh, that grew up around the area and everything. And there's a couple there's a bunch of locations around the city, really really good by the way, actually better than Popeyes chicken. But uh, so the nearest Popeyes about 20 minute drive away. I drove all the way down there because I wanted to try this sandwich after the hysteria was over. But they, there wasn't really anything that was put out nationally, I guess. It was like, hey, no more sandwiches. So I drove all the way down there and they didn't have it. And so that was maybe about a month or two ago, a month and a half ago. Um, so I was a little disappointed. I haven't had it yet. I, I really, I want to try it. So maybe next week when I'm back home uh, in Virginia with my family for the, the week of Thanksgiving, I'll see if I can uh, hit up the Popeyes one day and try it. Just because I, you know, I, I feel like, I can't really jump in on that that commentary about Popeyes versus Chick Fil A unless I unless I try to uh, try to sandwich. You know what I mean? But I mean, I'm pretty sure I could probably get a good fried chicken sandwich just about anywhere, and it don't have to be a damn Popeyes or Chick Fil A sandwich. And
0: and look, I I frequent fast food restaurants mostly. I'm sure long term to my detriment, but (laughs) I do it, (laughs) and. Places come out with new sandwiches all the time that don't nobody know about and, and don't nobody get no big fuss. This is the power of social media. When something goes viral in a positive way, just like them pies that Patty LaBelle had when shit went viral. Like people were trash, this. by the
1: way. Super trash. And, pie, and pies were trash, by <laughs> look, the way. Look,
0: listen, let me let me say something. So the first thing she had was those, um, those sweet potato pies, which I don't eat sweet potato pie. I eat sweet potato souffle. I do. I don't like the crust. I don't like I the crust
1: smashed, on potato pie, I I smashed I smashed sweet potato pies. I smash sweet potato pie. I've been smashed. So, like, I'm 34. I have probably been eating sweet potato pie for 30 years. So that's
0: good. That means that your assessment of the patty pies is on hot point garbage. because
1: them things were okay, hot. Okay, so that's yeah. good.
0: But let me tell you something. She came out with another line of cobbler's and um, cobbler's and crisps. Now I don't know if y'all. I'm just going over. I don't know if y'all know nothing about but the difference between a cobbler, a crisp, uh, a crumble, and a brown betty, those are like four different types Mm -hmm. of the same thing. A cobbler is like when you put biscuit scoops on top of it, and it's like biscuits on top of your fruit. A brown betty is when you have uh, oats uh, inside of it and on the top of it that makes it crispy at the top. A crisp is when you have uh, oats on the bottom and the top that gives a top and a bottom crust. And then a crumble is where you just have this uh, kind of flour uh, and sugar crumble flour sugar butter crumble on top that makes it kind of crunchy all of them things are kind of in the same category of a fruit pie but it's different but she had a cobbler and she had a crumble blackberry cobbler. them crumbles is fucking delicious okay I hate to admit it I wanted it to be terrible I wanted it to be terrible so bad and I recorded a video and didn't even put the video of the bitch out I was like, I don't want to support Paddle Bell. I don't like her. You know what
1: I'm saying?
0: It was delicious. Red ate. I ate half of it and gave Red the other half, and we both agreed that shit was delicious. They just (laughs) too expensive for me to buy consistently. I hate that. But um, they come out with motherfucking restaurants come out with chicken sandwiches all of the goddamn time, and it don't get like that. But this one did that shit. That Popeye shit did it. But. It is I mean, it's just a lateral move. It is I mean, I don't want I mean it's just depending on the seasonings you like, maybe better than Chick-fil-A. The with Chick-fil-A is that they sandwich don't crispy, I think. It's flavorful as fuck like I guess they steam it too, maybe, or something like that. Like after yeah, they eat yeah, it, maybe they steam it or something like that. Or the fact that they wrap it up in that little bag, it still it steams it because it's still hot. And so the crisp sometimes when you got Chick-fil-A sandwiches, like the skin'll fall off of it.
1: Mm, I know y'all don't yeah.
0: know. Yeah. Uh, but the chicken sandwiches and Popeye's don't do that. They kinda like crispy crispy. They don't get that steam accent, probably because they put them in the box with the holes in it, so it don't like it don't sit in its own heat. And I think that makes a difference, but they lateral moves, it just depends on your flavor. But let me tell y'all something. During the same goddamn time, Zaxby's done fucked around and came out with a chicken sandwich on y'all asses. And that motherfucker yeah. is delicious. Yeah. Okay. I've had the Zaxby sandwich
1: before. And a long time ago delicious. I had it. But that thing yeah, was,
0: Look, it's a new, new one. If you went there and had their old chicken sandwiches, like they had strips on it, they got that one still, but they got like a breast chicken breast patty sandwich. And I don't know, maybe it's been at other places, but when I went to the menu, it said new chicken sandwich. And I was like, I'm going to get that. I got it. Yeah. It's delicious too. It's just a bunch <laughs> of lateral moves. When is chicken sandwich is good? When is good? Uh, Sonic's chicken sandwich is good when it's good, when it's fresh. A lot of these... I eat chicken sandwiches all over the place. And all these McDonald's.
1: That when McDonald's oh, yeah. when they had that spicy chicken, yo, I'm oh, yeah, i am sorry. It's good. That spicy chicken is <laughs> good. The they don't have it all the time, but that, when they do have it, yeah, y'all, if you, I know if, if the people listening, they're like McDonald's ill. Nah, trust me, just don't the spicy don't get neck chicken. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: I it's man. good.
1: It's good. It is. So, good.
0: But again. We done hit our time limit, man. I, I really appreciate you for, for filling in for red, man. man. No I appreciate the dialogue. And I l- love having you on, man. I, I just I just I'm just I'm glad you I'm glad you answered that text in the way you did. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, wasn't, like even asking, too. I wasn't even asking I not look I want asking for I asking for your assistance, you know, when I text you, but the like the fact that you just jumped in there and was like, I got it. You know, I was like, man, I appreciate that, man. I, I, I really do. Yep.
1: No, I got it. Oh, um, I still need to come down there and get a I'm, steak, uh, a steak as big as your back, as you described. Yes,
0: it. man. Yes, man. The look, the place that we were gonna get a steak from, the place that when I first had a steak that they had cows that I don't know how they got the beef so tender. New management means that they ain't getting the same magical cows, so okay. I gotta find a new place. I gotta find a new place okay. that that right. I'm gonna make sure you're gonna be in. If I if I can't find a new place, I'm cooking the steak. Okay. All
1: right.
0: But we're I want to find do it. a place. But I'll cook it now, but uh, I want to find somewhere. So, you got anything else on your mind, sir? I uh, sure don't. Uh, we're good to go. All right. Well, until we kind of next conversation, we out. Allah.